following is a continuation in our study looking at hospitality. We hope you enjoy. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the time of worship that we were able to have this morning, both at Bryan and College Station. We thank you that we have a place where we can come together in community and worship together. We ask that you be with us as we talk about community tonight, Lord. Remind us of who we are in you so that we may share that with others. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So it's been a few weeks since we've been in our hospitality study, but tonight I want to talk about community. I want to talk about what that is, what it looks like. I want to read a quote from Eugene Peterson. He says this, Where relationships are warm and expectancies fresh, we are already beginning to enjoy life together that will be completed in our life everlasting. So the communities that we built here on earth are meant to reflect the community that we will have when we get to heaven. Who here loves a good get-together? Like, get a bunch of people together, love being there. Maybe the idea of a get-together just stresses you out. Or maybe the idea of a get-together makes you think about all the work that you have to do in order to be in relationship with people. But no matter where you fall on that spectrum, whether you love it or you hate it, we can't get around the fact that Christ calls us to be in community. It's not something that we can just punt and say, you know what, I can not deal with that while I'm here on earth. We have to be in community. And that'll look different for everybody, but Christ calls us to be in community. And part of that is we have to be seeking the lost in order to bring others into our community. So tonight, again, we're going to look at community. We're called to be in it, and that community always needs to be outward-facing. It's good for us to love each other, and we love to spend time with each other, but we always have to be willing to turn outward and invite people in. So tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to look at an example of community from the book of Acts. We're going to look at why we need community from the book of Hebrews, and lastly, we're going to look at how we're to be using that community as an invitation to others from First John. So let's start right here. Number off one to three, down. Okay, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter two. We're going to look at one of the earliest examples of the community of the church. So if I can get somebody from group one to read, Jeff. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and all had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We have the church, the early New Testament church in Acts, coming together. And they devote themselves to a couple of things. What are the four things that Luke mentions here as he's writing about the early church? The apostles' teaching. Okay, the apostles' teaching. What does that entail? They devote themselves like, to the Word of God. So they're sitting under the Word of God. They're sitting under the teaching of the Word of God. Okay, what else? Fellowship. Fellowship, okay. Being together. They devoted themselves to that. They were fully all in on being with one another. Okay. How about the breaking of bread? What does that mean? Jesus often broke bread with people, but the fact that there's a definite article talks about the breaking of bread. So they're devoted to sitting under the sacraments. They devote themselves to the Lord's Supper. And lastly, what? The prayers. Prayers. Okay? Being in prayer with one another. Praying for. Praying with one another. 
These are all very intimate, close things. And they are truly meant to be done together because we get to enjoy communion with God together as a body of believers. And what is the result when we are focused and devoted to these things? What was the result for the early church? They lived in community, right? They did it well. They were willing to sacrifice. They were willing to provide and eat meals together. They were willing to love one another. They were willing to sacrifice for one another. As we were discussing in the group, I mentioned if you continue on in Acts, people were selling houses and land to provide for one another. That's a big deal. They were sharing life and participating with one another. So how can we, as a body of believers, as a community, show a genuine care for one another? What are ways that we can do that? Okay, so knowing people's needs and providing. What would be a way we can care for others? Yeah, we know somebody's going through something difficult, spending time with them, just being a sounding board, listening to them. What else? Serving the church, like on Sunday mornings, being a people set up communion, mm-hmm. do soundboard, and yeah. just the little things. Yeah, we can serve one another by participating in our, our worship. Have you ever had somebody that knew one of your needs and came in and helped you with something? It's a good feeling, right? We like to know that people care. We like to know that people are willing to take care of us. This comes through a genuine care. Okay? If someone really doesn't like you, they're probably not going to come and help you in your time of need. Or if someone doesn't have a genuine love for you, they're probably going to overlook your needs and say, you know what, I'd rather do what I need to do instead of go help Caleb if he has a flat tire or, or help Ethan if he's hungry and, and needs something or help Jack if he... Needs a ride to the hospital. I don't know. Whatever the needs are. When we have a genuine love for each other, we're willing to make those sacrifices, right? You all have close friends that you love and you'll do anything for? That's what this is like. When we have that community, that community that we love, the community of people that we enjoy being around, okay, oftentimes there's some fear that comes in when someone new walks in the door. Okay? What are ways that we can often fear inviting others into the community that we have? Or maybe the question is, what's behind the fear that we have? We don't like the change. Okay. One, we don't like change. Who here loves change? Anybody love change? I love when things change. I'm weird. But most people don't like change. They like things to happen a certain way. When change comes in, it can stress you out. It can cause anxiety. It can cause lots of fears. What are we really worried about at that point? When we're inviting someone new in, and we have this fear of what might happen. Yeah, they can throw off our group dynamic. Okay, they can come in and ruin everything. Ellie, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say they could, like, turn your back on you and take it, like, rude things back. It can cause division in a group. Okay? Ultimately, we have a fear of man. We worry about what they might think of us when we're in the group. We worry about what they may believe about what we believe. Okay? They may come into our church and be like, you guys are weird. And we don't like that. We may worry that they may disagree with us. But God knows these things and knows that we can give those things to him those worries and those fears, and we can trust in him to work in the hearts of people. And that's what the early church was doing. They didn't care what anybody thought. They were willing to sacrifice. They were willing to go out of the way. So that's a beautiful example of community from the scriptures. Let's look at why we need community. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And if I can get someone from group 2 to read this for me. Ellie? Ellie's always willing to read. I appreciate that. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not 
neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Thank you. As part of a community, we are to be encouraging one another, as this passage says. But what are ways that we could stir one another up in love? Okay, being friendly. That's a good start. Ellie? Caring for others in bad need, even if you don't know them. Okay, so doing good deeds for people. Yeah. You all know what the word accountability means? Uh-huh. So keeping each other accountable. If someone is struggling with something, being willing to say, hey, what's going on? Let's talk about this. That's a way we can stir one another up in love. We should always be pushing each other to be better followers of Jesus. And sometimes that hurts, because sometimes it means we need to hear things that we don't want to hear. But we need to be willing to hear those things, because it's good for us. So what might be some excuses that we have for not seeking out community? Ellie. Um, You could say that I have homework, or I need to read books. Mm -hmm. Or you could say, I don't feel nothing to come. There are tons of reasons. There are millions of excuses here. I think I've shared with you guys that on Wednesday nights when I was in youth group, I used to hide in my room, praying that my mom would forget that it was Wednesday night, because I hated going to my youth group that much. But then eventually she made me go, and I ended up loving it. Okay? So there's an innate fear that we can have of community, because we know it exposes us. We know that it puts us in a group of people, and they can see our faults. They can see the things that we struggle with. They can see the true us, and sometimes we're afraid of that. But Jesus calls us to be in community. Some other excuses, laziness, fear, time, apathy. Maybe you just don't like people. Okay? Maybe we simply like to only be with the people that we like or know. And when we get thrown into a group that we don't know a whole lot of people, it can be scary. But why is it so good for us to be in community? Or why is it not good for us to not be in community? Yeah. Well, you won't find it in the verse we went over, but it says God is in fellowship. Mm-hmm. And so that... Not only means that when we're in community together, that it's just like me and Elizabeth, but it's like God is part of mm-hmm. Yeah. Elizabeth. Well, it says something, it says how much out on good opportunities. Mm-hmm. I think that God, well, God does tell us to further his kingdom, mm-hmm. and we can't do that. And yeah. we can't point others towards Christ or encourage others if we're alone yeah. and not interacting with them. Yeah, we can't push the kingdom forth. If we're just isolating ourselves and doing our own thing. It's a communal thing. God never told Hannah to go take care of all of the kingdom of God. Or he didn't tell Caleb, it's all on you. Who was the mission of the church to? The church, all together. And it's individuals coming together in order to do that. The only way for us to be truly in good community is to be together. So that's step one, okay? Right? But we also have to be intentional about it. It doesn't do us any good if we don't value it. So, maybe you don't like being around people. That's okay. But Jesus tells us to what? We have to be around one another. Okay? And we have to figure out ways that we can do that and glorify him. If we enjoy the community that we're a part of, then we need to have a fervent desire to also be welcoming to others that come in. Now, you may have been born into Westminster Presbyterian. Okay? Maybe you're new here. Okay? But whatever the case is, at some point in your life, I bet you have had to go into a new group and be part of something new. And is that scary? Sometimes it can be, right? I've shared with you all that I moved 
every time I started a new level of school. So I started elementary school with no friends. I started middle school with no friends. And I started high school with no friends. And it was awful. I did not enjoy it because I always had to go in into, yes. How do you remember elementary school? I don't remember elementary school. I remember first grade. Mrs. Shield, she was my first grade teacher. It is really hard to go into a new situation. Okay, Starting high school with zero friends, y'all, that was not fun at all. I hated myself in high school because I didn't know anybody. Eventually, I made some friends and everything was okay. But it was tough. Okay, So that idea of belonging, of being together, is good for us. And isolating ourselves is not good. All right, so let's look at this invitation to community. Group three, somebody read 1 John 1, 1 to 5. Get in? Go ahead. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard and proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. What is John describing here in this passage? What is he, okay, he's talking about fellowship. Okay, what else? What is John telling of his experience? He says a couple things. Okay, so things that John has seen. So John was the only apostle who was there for Christ's crucifixion. Okay, all the other ones they were afraid and they ran. Okay, John was the only one. So John has seen things that other people haven't. Okay? John has witnessed things that other people haven't. If you go and read the entire book of Acts, there's this common theme of the word witness. And John truly was one of the best witnesses to Jesus' life. Not only because he was one of Jesus' closest friends, but also because he saw things that the other apostles didn't. So when he talks about things that I have seen, what he's saying here is, I'm a witness to something and I'm about to tell you exactly what I saw and what I know. Here's what he describes. Things that were from the beginning. Things that he has heard. Things that he's seen. Things that he's physically touched. And he talks about the word of life. Does this maybe ring a bell from other things that John has written? John 1, maybe? In the beginning was the word, and the word was? Yeah, and who's that talking about? Jesus. The word of life here is Jesus. And that's what was made manifest and walked among mankind. Again, John has seen this. He's testified to it. He's proclaiming it here. And he's doing that for a specific reason. And what does John say that must be done with what he's seeing? He's talking about all these things that he's witnessed. And why do you think he's saying that? What's the most important reason why you think he's saying this has to go out? This has to be proclaimed. It has to be proclaimed. Okay, It's something that we can't just keep to ourselves, right? Our faith and our belief is never meant to be something that we just kind of take in and enjoy on our own. It's always meant to be enjoyed where? In community with one another. Okay? doesn't mean that you can't have a personal relationship with Jesus. That relationship should never just stay between you and God. It should always be an outworking with one another. We encourage one another. We support one another. We keep each other accountable. All these things have to be done together. If we're not willing to go out and proclaim, what we're doing is exactly what... Jesus talks about in Matthew 5 when he says when we have that light and we keep it under a basket. Okay? You all know that story? 
That's, that's what that's like. We have something beautiful and good that lights. We're saying, you know what, I'm just going to keep this to myself. Okay? We can't do that. John doesn't just leave us there. He gives us a little bit of hope. What is the hopeful result of why we should proclaim God's truth to others? So there's a specific reason why we should invite people in the community, which is what? Verse 3, specifically. Say it louder, Jack. Okay, first and foremost, so that others may believe. Okay, so that others may see what Christ is doing in our life and want that. Verse 3, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. This is a clear invitation to other people saying, we want you to know that Jesus is good. Okay, and we want that to affect you. We want that to change your heart. And that's the whole reason why we do evangelism. This isn't a, we want you to believe this thing, but kind of just do it on your own. Kind of do it in the confines of your own home, please. Or This isn't a, we want you to see and know Jesus, but just go do it with your friends and your family. Okay? It's not that. It's not a, we've seen what Christ has done for us, and we want you to do that, but don't stay too long. Just stay for a little bit and then kind of let us go back to our group thing. No, this is a, we want you part of this thing that we have going on right here. We want you to be part of the community of believers. We want you to know that Jesus is awesome. We want to join him with you. It's never something that we should just keep to ourselves. This is a clear invitation. We proclaim that others may have fellowship with us. Now, that's very hard for us to bring in somebody new. It's hard for us to invite somebody in, but it's a good thing for us. We need to be intentional about that. We need to be careful of that. Trivia question, what's our church's motto? We are a... Gospel community. <laughs> I heard like three different things. We're a gospel community for life's journey. Let's all say it together. We are a gospel community for life's journey. Let me ask you this question. You don't have to answer this out loud. But what kind of community do you want this youth group to be? Think about what that means for you personally. Think about how that influences how you treat others, how you invite others. Do we want to be one that's welcoming? I think that's a good question for us. Jesus did not come to die for people that like to be comfortable and self-righteous, right? He wants us to be out of our comfort zones. He wants us to be willing to step out and take risks. If your life has been changed by Jesus, that's awesome. Practice telling people about it. Practice celebrating what God has done for you so that others may see and know what God has done. Not all of your friends or not all of your neighbors are going to want to be a part of our community, and that's okay. But we should never let our fears drive everything. We should always be seeking to be in community, but also inviting others in. We must pray and ask the Lord to open the eyes of our friends and our neighbors so that they may see the need for Jesus. Be in community. Never isolate yourselves. Community's good. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. And you ask that you would help us always, Lord, to be a community that is welcoming, a community that is loving, and a community that is willing to let others in. Father, I do pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts to see the areas of weakness that we have so that we can be more welcoming and loving. Because you've shown us the ultimate welcome, and the ultimate love, and the ultimate hospitality, Lord. So please help us to be a community that celebrates those things. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. 
We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WYN. Oh, 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 oh,